0: When was the last time you heard a story, a warm and gooey, wound. you can't help but smile, sweet and sincere, maybe over the beer or two, the good stuff happened. My name is Connor Garrison, and I'm 28 years old, Uh, I'm from Massachusetts originally, and grew up there for the most part, moved to Los Angeles two years ago, I am a performer, I do improv comedy, I like playing music, I write and perform music, I'm also just a fun guy.
1: Connor is a fun guy. He's the kind of person who finds silliness in everything. Anything bad, sad, scary, evil, mean, he'll look at it and just laugh and call it goofy. There's an invincibility about his spirit that's hard not to admire. He's also hilarious. We actually used to perform together on the same team at Improv Boston. It's how we met. Here's a clip of him doing some improv.
0: Again, draft. Little messy. Little <laughs> messy stand swinging a part while I was writing that. And your nose is bleeding and now they cut the cut. These are the last thing I'll ever remember.
1: You also might recognize Connor's name because he is the talented composer of both the intro and outro of this very podcast. I asked Connor what the best part of his week was, and his answer is great. But uh, keep in mind that this interview took place around Christmas time. Oh,
0: the best part of my last week. Um, oh, I went to Griffith Park on Sunday, and I waited in line for 45 minutes, and I got to ride this little choo choo train that goes through part of Griffith Park, and they put all these huge Christmas lights up and uh it was like kind of cold and then like you know it felt just like I was a kid again I was waiting for this train but the whole thing was really cool they have all these Christmas lights set up these little like you know designs and stuff there's a tunnel of them or they change in really cool ways and the train goes like a snail's pace so it was it was a blast I got to have like a hot chocolate hadn't had a hot chocolate in a while that was good felt very Christmassy in december that was cool
1: and speaking of Christmas, Connor picked a story very on theme for that most wonderful time of year.
0: The title of it is "Town Overturns Archaic Snowball Ban After a Determined Nine-Year-Old Leads the Charge." Snowball!
1: Snowball, snowball, snowball! Damn it, Tim, You cannot throw snowballs in here! Ow! Son of a nutcracker!
0: And I thought this one actually stood out to me the most because of just how much I miss snow right now I'm in I'm in Los Angeles and I'm I don't have any I don't have any snow in my life and I grew up with cold Massachusetts winters and I think this one I could relate to a whole lot but a nine-year-old boy found out that snowballs were considered illegal to be thrown in his town
1: They were illegal because of an archaic ordinance that prohibited anybody from throwing stones or missiles at people. And unfortunately, snowballs fell under the town's definition of missiles.
0: Didn't stop him. He got a bunch of people in the town uh, to sign a petition and then he got it uh, removed so that he could finally throw snowballs. And the end of the article, I think, is just the cutest way to wrap up this article, which is, after Dane was given the honor of throwing the first legal snowball in a century, he says that he now plans on changing other outdated city laws before going on to become U.S. president. Um, just a very nonchalant way of of saying his future, I thought, which is really really hilarious.
1: Connor has a wonderful story, so I won't say too much and I'll let him take it away.
0: I'll preface it with, um, it has to just do with a landlord I had. The reason I like this story is just because it sort of subverts the expectations most people have about a landlord. So at one point, I guess in maybe, what was it? May of 2013, I got a new job. My lease ended in my current apartment in Boston. And I moved back home with my parents, which is like about 45 minutes west of Boston and I'm going to work every day on the train and slowly but surely losing my mind. And so I was like, I'm gonna move in on my own. I'm gonna find my own place. I know I can barely afford this, but I I just want to. So I look at a place and it was a studio, one bed apartment in uh, Porter Square. And this place was about five minutes walking distance from T, it was on two or three bus routes. It was close to a grocery store. It was close to a liquor store, bars, everything I could want was in walking distances. It was kind of the perfect location. It was an attic apartment and it was above a pet store. And the pet store is called Big Fish, Little Fish, in case anyone wants to look up the location of this. But right then and there, I think when I found this place and I was like, it's above a pet store, like this sounds like a storybook for kids. It sounds like a Curious George type of situation. Oh, the boy who lived above a pet store, like just that alone was kind of just goofy to me. And it was learning enough for me to be like, all right, I'll
1: see the place. So Connor sees the place and falls in love with it. He calls the realtor who tells him it's his. All he needs to do is meet the guy who owns it. And so the next night, Connor goes to the realtor's office to meet the property owner.
0: It was a really snowy night. I looked through the window and I saw the realtor, uh, and she was sitting next to the landlord. The landlord's name is Frank Gioni, and he was a Italian Somerville born and raised, I think about maybe when I met him, he was in his 80s, so maybe late 70s, but... Rest assured, looked like someone that Whitey Bulger would just be best friends with in high school and spoke just so authentically Italian-American, Bostonian that it was honestly like a song every time I talked to this guy. He's kind of a bigger guy. He's tall. I think he was like 6'3", maybe. Just a large guy. He's sitting down. And I remember walking in and you know kind of just exchanging pleasantries. And the landlord's sitting there and she's like, yeah, like, feel free to, like, he just wants to make sure you're kind of like a a responsible tenant and I was like yeah yeah totally like I lived last year in Boston I was very responsible with my rent being on time utilities on time I'm very quiet I don't throw parties all the time I'm not a DJ and he kind of nods his head and is a real strong silent type he asks me you pay your rent on time and I go yeah yeah yeah," every single month and he goes good because if not and he knocks on my kneecap as though it were a door And he says, if not, say goodbye to those. And I smile and it was like this moment of I knew exactly who this guy is. Like he is kind of old school, does not buckle, does not like has a backbone and was joking, but also kind of like, yeah, he could do that. You know, you could, it really could go either way. I thought it was the funniest thing that it made me want to live in the place even more. I was like, this is the person I pay my rent to. I must be in good hands. If I get on the good side of this guy, like he'll break the knees of someone else I don't like. Like that's kind of what was going through my head. But I kind of laughed at it and so did he. And the realtor calls me the next day and she says, Frank loved you. You got the place. You're not going to believe this. Frank and his wife, Mary feel so bad for people who are your age that move into Boston and they can't deal with the high rent. They agreed to knock off a hundred dollars from your rent, which was like, A lottery win for me. It was the nicest freaking thing I ever had heard happening. And so I move in. I didn't really learn anything about the neighbors before I moved in. I hadn't really asked. I think maybe they told me, like, yeah, yeah, it's a set of twins and and one of their twins' girlfriends downstairs below you. But I move in in November. I'm digging it. It's silly. I live above a pet store. And I start to notice that these neighbors of mine started to blare music at like odd hours throughout the week i mean on a tuesday night to in one in the morning i'd be hearing like the bass drum of a techno song or something they were nonchalantly just blaring music all the time shaking my heaters i remember that that the rattle of the metal on the wall and so night after night i'm just kind of like losing sleep over this and finally i kind of just thinking this was a a, in a very naive way, thinking this was a normal thing to do. I left a note one night uh, when they were blaring music earlier in the night and saying hey could you please turn it down? I'm the guy upstairs, you know. And instead of turning down, they ended up just playing the music. A second time they were playing it, we came home after like going out to dinner and it was really late at night and they were clearly having a party downstairs. And I was, at this time, brave enough to just knock on the door and be like, hey, like, I was just wanted to say, like, if you, if there's any possibility you guys could turn down the music, and um, I'm just trying to go to bed, I have to get up tomorrow. And they had the response of, well, we would never ask you to turn down. And so I was already off in a weird start with these neighbors. The third time, I couldn't handle it anymore. So I call up Frank, and he answers, and he's like, What's going on? And I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like, they're just being so loud. Can you please just ask them to turn down? I would never do this otherwise, but it's just kind of bothersome. And they're like, totally, no worries. So about a couple minutes goes by, and I start to hear my neighbors underneath me shouting through the floorboards up at me, realizing that I was the one that had asked them to turn down the music. And it was very threatening stuff. It was also not stuff you'd want to hear just before you go to bed, something to the extent of like you should have never have moved here, how dare you come into our city, bringing race into this as an accusation. Things that I was just like, I at this point sort of fear leaving my apartment and running into one of these individuals. It was just very threatening.
1: Connor decides he needs to leave. He calls Mary, Frank's wife, apologizes and says he needs to break his lease. He expected the worst, that they would need him to finish the lease, but he was very, very wrong. Instead,
0: Mary tells me, that's totally fine. End of the month, if, if that works for you, that would be ideal for us to you know hopefully get a new tenant in by then. But you're totally welcome to break your lease. No charge, no big deal. Also, we're going to ask the people downstairs to leave And you're actually not the first person to have told us about them or complained about them. So I get off the phone with her and I'm just kind of shocked. I'm like, I can't believe Frank and Mary Gionni are this lenient. You know, it was just a very nice touch. They call me back. They say, okay, we asked them to leave. They're definitely out at the end of the month. They then give me a bit more specifics and tell me, you're the third tenant that's been in that apartment that you're in that has decided to leave because of them. She also tells me, we feel terrible that you had to go through this, but we think you're a good tenant. If you want to stay at this apartment, we'll knock another $300 off your rent. So to kind of put it into perspective, at the time, a one-bedroom studio in this part of Boston more often than not ran from like 1500 to anywhere from like $2,500 on average. So I was paying 1000 for this place. All utilities included and Boston has some tough winners so I'm mulling this over and I'm looking at other places and I'm not finding anything in that range and I'm like I will stay thank you guys and they're like by all means let us know if you need anything and I was touched by this I remember telling someone who had ended up doing real estate, and even they were like, I've never heard of a single landlord doing that kind of a thing. And so I continued to live there. I get new neighbors who are much more you know, manageable. They're just students. They just are quiet for most of the time. And you'd think that the story kind of ends there, but every so often I would be living in this apartment and I would go downstairs to like take out my trash or bring my laundry down the street to go do it a load at this laundromat. And one time I'm walking, it's middle of winter, I'm walking down the street, and Frank, in his enormous navy blue Chevy Suburban, pulls over and yells out, Kwana Kwana, get in! And I was, I was holding my bag of laundry at the time, so he knew where I was going. And he's like, I'll give you a ride to the laundromat. And I get in, and he just gives, you know, I'm just like, how you doing, Frank? He's, he's like, good, good. It's too cold to be walking in, in this kind of weather. And I was like, who is this guy? Who is this man who is just so caring? so it was just really touching other times i would be having people over and he would see me you know with my friends and would be like so playful about giving it you know the lay of the land He'd be like don't be too loud because otherwise and i'd be like i won't frank i would never do that and he's like, good because if not say goodbye and it was like honestly very very weirdly fatherly grandfatherly this relationship i had with them it comes time where I'm just debating moving in with my girlfriend and she's like, what do you want to do? And I said, okay, like, let's, you know, find a place. We found a place. I decided to tell Frank and Mary I want to leave and they give me, th- they're like, all right, yep, that's fine. Just, you know, 30 days is all we ask. And so a month or two in advance, I'm like, hey, I'm leaving my apartment. But my brother is looking for an apartment. He was wondering if he could move in. And I was like, on the off chance that they would be like, yeah, totally, here's a new lease. By the way, rent's gone up, it's about 1500 now. We don't know your brother, so we'd like to meet him. Instead, they just go, totally fine. We'd love to meet your brother, invite him in. So we go to the Gioni's house. And I've never been in a house that I've wanted to like spend a day in more than this place. I'm pretty sure they had artifacts from every trip they'd ever been on. They had a a knight of armor suit in the corner on their stairwell there was tchotchkes everywhere there were things in the wall old paintings that certain kind of faded look like grandparent paintings is kind of how i refer to them now old furniture that had not been dusted in forever and i remember my brother and i sitting and just kind of being like i think they just wanted to spend some time with us because they genuinely liked who we are this was several years ago my brother is still living in this apartment above big fish little fish He's still paying the same amount of rent, $1,000, which is at this point probably half the price of what most people are paying at, le- at the bare minimum. I think that the unfortunately tragic part about this is today I have not looked up anything about Frank or Maragione until today, and I found out that he passed away in September of 2018. And I was debating leaving his name out of this because I was like, I don't know how sensitive they are about this stuff and whatever. I want people to know that Frank Gioni and Mary Gioni were the best landlords I've ever
1: had in my life. And they were more than just landlords to Connor. They were home away from home grandparents that had his best interests at heart and nothing to gain from it. What's more, it turns out one of those times Frank knocked on Connor's knee and said goodbye... You really was saying goodbye. And maybe thank you. We're going to close today's episode with Connor reading a bit of beautiful poetry written by Eric Darby.
0: Come on in, I've got a sale on scratch and dent dreams, whole cases of imperfect ambitions. Stuff the idealists couldn't sell. Yeah, I know none of it's got price tags. You decide how much it's worth. And none of it's got glossy colored packaging, but it all works just fine. I've got rainy day swing sets, good night kisses and stationary stars still flying at the speed of light. And over there out back, if you dig down through those alabaster stoplights and those old 45s, you'll find a whole crate of secondhand hope. Yeah, right there, that's no chrome, You just gotta work. Polish it up a little bit. Most folks give up too easy. Trade it in for some injection mold in here and now. And over there across the freeway, you see that purple awning, flapping in the breeze? Well, that's Mama Genuine's shop. She's older than all of us put together, but she still laughs like a house. Now, she only sells tools, but not like, you know, she's got saws that put back together, drills that make whole. Mama's a cool legend in She sells duct tape, too. And down there, at the end of the block, are two kids, crew cut and pigtailed, sitting behind a bindle top table selling peanut butter ice cream out of a galvanized pail. And there's no metaphor, there's just good ice cream. So here's what you do, take a look around, pick out what reminds you of places you wanted to be, but gave up on going and jam it all in this big box called Now. Then go across the street to Mama Genuines, ask her how she's been. Show her what I gave you. she'll know exactly what you need. And then go back in the center of that freeway and get to work making it all fit. You won't have any directions or factory number tabs, but don't panic, there's a hundred ways to do it right and none to do it wrong because you're starting out with what's already been given up upon. You can't do any worse. Use the tools mama gave you. hum a little while you work. Then you find yourself sprouting extra thumbs. Take a break. Go around the block, get yourself an ice cream, smile when they hand it to you, tip them if you can, and when you get back, it's all gonna make sense. You'll see where it's gonna fit perfect and where the duct tape has to go. And when you get finished, take whatever spare parts you got at the bottom of now, and make yourself a little sign that says tomorrow. And hang it on your masterpiece. Then you go back down the block to where those two kids are packing up their peanut butter enterprise, cause somebody told them they'd fail and I want you to hand them tomorrow. Make sure they know how important it After they've run off with all elbows and smiles, y'all can come back here. We'll do it all over again. Now, I'm not telling you this to make a profit. That's how so many good ideas go wrong. I'm just tired of seeing everyday people screaming through those doors, convinced they're going to hawk even their littlest hopes and dreams to fund their 401ks. I'm tired of seeing this whole world bet on going big or giving up, only handing out glory to newspaper headlines and storybook endings cuz the truth is i think we need those swing sets most on the rainy days i'm happy going to sleep after just a good night kiss and i believe that beauty can be as simple as two kids crew cut and pigtails handing me a scoop of peanut butter ice cream that tastes so good you'd think it was a dream
1: You've been listening to Good Stuff Happens, a million thank yous to Connor Garrison for his pertinent thoughts and stories and for composing the fantastic intro and outro music to this podcast. You can check out more of his awesome music on Spotify and an extra thank you to Blue Dot Sessions for additional score. Thanks so much for listening and just a reminder that caterpillars turn into butterflies and that's amazing.